0: let's jump right in when when I made the decision to go into ministry uh, which was about 30 years ago I, I asked God for one thing just one thing that that I would never have to do as a pastor and it was this the funeral of a child well God has not honored that request Since then, I've done the funerals of two of my youth group kids. I was a youth group pastor or a youth pastor for about 18 years. And and I've buried two of my youth group kids. One of my youth group leaders, he was y'all's age. A two-year-old, a baby girl who died in the womb one week from her due date. Along with those in my personal life, I've, I've grieved the loss of two of our own miscarriages. The loss of my mom and my dad and my father-in-law. Now, I look back on that and realize my request wasn't a very realistic one. Like we talked about last week, we live in a broken and a, a fallen world where there's death, decay, and corruption. And death, decay, corruption have have gone to every corner of the world and to every one of our lives and our hearts. And if you haven't experienced that kind of deep loss that I'm talking about in your life, you will. Because all of creation is broken. And because it's broken, you will experience death and loss if you haven't all. I, I know a lot of your stories, not all of your stories, but I know you have Some of you. You will, if you haven't already, know the loss of loved ones, of relationships, of health, of hopes, dreams. And with each of those will come sadness and grief. But but the Bible says that for all who follow Jesus, we can grieve as a people who have hope. We can grieve as a people who have hope. And so as we continue our series on suffering, we're going to talk tonight about the suffering of loss and how we grieve those losses. Apart from the cross of Jesus Christ, the most well-known story of suffering in the Bible is about a man named Job. Job was a godly man and Job was a wealthy man. In one day... Job lost everything. His flocks and cattle were stolen. His servants were killed. All 10 of his children died and Job contracted a horrible skin disease. So think about it this way, maybe more in, in current terms. In just one day, his savings and retirement were gone. The family business went bankrupt. His children all died in a house fire And Job himself was diagnosed with cancer in one day. Listen to how Job responded. So if you have a Bible, you want to be in Job chapter 1. If not, you can look on the screen behind me here. So this report had come to Job of all that he had lost. And here's Job's response. Job 1, verses 20 through 22. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshiped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. With this passage as a launching point, I want to focus on two big ideas. First, the nature of grief. You see all this loss in Job's life. So what does it look like to grieve loss like this? So what is the nature of grief? The better we understand it, the better we're gonna be able to walk through it. So first thing, what's the nature of grief? And then secondly, grieving with hope. Grieving with hope. I I wanna leave you with some practical helps for how we grieve well. How we can be a people that grieve with hope. So let's start with the nature of grief. What is it and how do we understand it? Let Let me say a few things about that. First, Grief is normal. Grief is normal because brokenness, loss, death are a part of our normal experience. And so grief is normal. It's the natural and human response to loss, the loss of something that was valued or or someone that was loved. Grief can be experienced in different ways like shock, Anger, guilt, fear, disbelief, deep sadness. We could probably throw some other things in there, and it's not necessarily linear. Sometimes you experience one of those, you move on to a different one, and then you circle back to that first one. Grief was what we saw in Job verse 20 after all that bad news came to Job. You see there that Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head, and fell to the ground. The the tearing of the robe and the shaving the head were expressions of grief and mourning. And so Job was grieving. He, He was mourning these losses. Another thing I want you to know about grief is it's not in and of itself wrong or sinful. How we respond in our grief might be, but grief in and of itself isn't. Think about this. Maybe you remember the story in John chapter 11 where Jesus goes to the grave of his friend Lazarus. And what does Jesus do? Shortest verse in the Bible Jesus wept. Jesus wept. He grieved at the grave of his friend. Even knowing he was about to raise that friend, Jesus wept. So I take from that grief is a part of what it means to be human. Grief is a part of of the experience we're all going to have. So it's normal. Second thing about the nature of grief, grief, the depth of our grief is in direct proportion to the worth of the thing lost. It's a long sentence. Let me say it again. The depth of our grief is in direct proportion to the worth of the thing lost. Let me, let me put this in terms of a, an illustration. Maybe that'll help you understand what I'm saying. There's a huge difference in the grief you feel when your pet goldfish dies versus when a grandparent dies, right? There's a big difference in how you grieve those losses, And Job, in in Job verse 1, is grieving deeply because the things he lost were of great value to him. And, And that's a normal aspect of our grieving. You will lose things and you will lose people who are very dear to you and you will grieve those deeply and probably for a long time. And know this too, grief tends to come in waves and at unexpected and unpredictable times. So if this is how you experience grief, you're not crazy. You might be crazy for a whole host of other reasons, because I know y'all, but but not for this this reason. This is what grief is. This is the nature of grief. It's a long road that has to be walked. It's not just a one-time event that we just get over. Hear me out on this. I actually see deep grief as a good thing. Not a fun thing. Don't don't, don't hear me wrong here. But a good, or or the sign, let's put it this way, a sign of a good thing. And here's why I say that. Because if you grieve deeply, it means you've loved deeply. Even though the sadness is really, really painful, what a blessing that God gave you the gift of someone to grieve because they were someone that you loved. Do y'all see what I'm saying there? Third, grief is something that must be walked through, not around. Grief's something we gotta walk through, there's no going around. Those emotions are there and they have to be processed. You cannot keep pushing grief down and pretending it's not there. I know y'all like to do this. I like to do this. Emotion scares me. But eventually, if we keep stuffing it down, it's going to come out and usually in very unhelpful ways. Think of it like a splinter that you get. You you can ignore it, you can pretend it's not there, but eventually, sooner or later, it's going to get infected and it's going to become an even bigger problem. Many of us are afraid to grieve because it's painful. Or maybe we don't like feeling or appearing weak. Or maybe it just feels out of control. Grief also makes us feel vulnerable. And so for many of us, grief is uncomfortable and terrifying, but it's a road we will all travel. And we've got to learn to go through and not think that there's a way around. So the million-dollar question is, how? How do we walk through grief in a way that is helpful and healing, and not in a way that's destructive and despairing? How can we be a people, like we've already said, how can we be a people who grieve with hope? That's what I want to talk about for the rest of our time. I want to give you three things. You see them here in the text that'll help us walk through grief with hope. So think of these as three helps. Three helps for walking through grief with hope. Help number one, fix your eyes on God. Fix your eyes on God. Look at Job's words in verse 21. Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Think about all that Job's just lost. Those are incredible words to say after all that he's just heard. Yeah, Job mourned and he grieved and then he set his eyes on God. Job turned from himself. He turned from his circumstances and he set his eyes on God. God who gives and who takes away. God who's in complete control and who is sovereign over all things. Mm. Job ends with, blessed be the name of the Lord. We read that, we look at that, and if we're honest, this is not easy. If God is sovereign, if He's in control, why didn't He save my dad? Why didn't He heal my brother? Why didn't He preserve my job? At at points like that, it's easy to blame God or withdraw from God. But this is the very point, the very point at which we need Him the most. We need to cry out to Him, we need to trust Him, and we need to draw near to Him. Now, to be sure, you may not get all the answers that you're hoping for. But you will get him. And he's better than you could ever hope for. I was talking with a friend this week about a recent loss. She said these words about grief. The pendulum of grief swings hard. But God remains. The pendulum of grief swings hard. But God remains. That's what it looks like to fix your eyes on God. Fix your eyes on God. He's with you. He will care for you. We talked a lot about this last week. The storms of grief will blow, but God will be an anchor for your soul. The surest way to stay stuck in grief is to keep your eyes fixed on you. We've got to do just the opposite. We've got to train our eyes to look to God, to fix our eyes on him. Help number two, worship God. Worship God. Did you see that in Job's response there? Verse 20 tells us that he worshiped. Because help number one was true, because his eyes were fixed on God, Job worshipped. Job didn't know why all this happened. He didn't know God's purposes in it at all. If you keep reading the book of Job, like he's asking all kinds of why questions. But he did know God. And he knew God was over it all. And so he worshipped. Here's how Nancy Guthrie explains Job's response. It's a long quote, so I've got it here behind me, so y'all follow along. When our skin is pricked by a thorn, what comes out is what's inside, blood. When our lives are pricked by difficulty, what comes out is what's inside. For some of us, it's selfishness. Pride, bitterness, and anger that, that come seeping out. For others, it's the fruit of the Spirit. In, in other words, those things that, that God's Spirit produces in us. Things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What came out of Job, excuse me, what came out when Job was not just pricked but pierced, was worship. Often worship is a matter of obedience, at least it is for me. But as in many other areas, when I make the choice to be obedient, God changes my feelings and I come to a place of passionate worship. You see, we worship because God is worthy, not necessarily because we feel like it. In the midst of a crisis, if we only do what we feel like doing, we would remain stuck in the cycle of self-pity. But when we worship, we get our eyes off of ourselves and our sorrow or problems. We focus them on God, and this puts difficulties into proper perspective. And when I talk about worship, we're not talking about happy, clappy, everything is fine kind of worship. It's great when that's the case. But but y'all know so much of life isn't that way. Sometimes we worship with just a simple, God, help. Or or maybe we just worship by sitting in silence, trusting that he is good and that he's with you. Sitting in silence because you can't even form the words on your lips. But sitting there trusting that God is good and he's with you, that's an act of worship. That kind of worship might be the deepest kind of worship you ever engage in because those are cries of deep trust in God and worship at its core is about who God is, not how you feel. Grief that worships is grief that hopes. So worship God. Help number three, stay in community. Stay in community. You, you don't, I'm not drawing this from the passage we just read here, these three verses. But again, if we were to read on in Job, pretty much the rest of the book is a dialogue between Job and three or four friends about his suffering. And that dialogue could never happen if Job wasn't in community. When suffering comes, many of us tend to isolate. and we do that because we don't like being weak or we're too proud to ask for help or we don't want to be a burden. It also takes work to be in community, doesn't it? We fear rejection or that others may not understand. Satan will whisper so many lies, so many lies to keep us from the very thing that God has given to us for our healing community when I got the news of my mom's passing 12 years ago I went that day to be with my dad he lived about three hours from here I stayed with him for about a week to be with him to comfort him to plan the memorial service to do the memorial service to help my dad adjust to to a new normal I mean everything changes He had had his wife for over 50 years. Everything's now different. After that week, I was coming back on a Sunday, and the the day I was coming back, I was uh, still a youth pastor at that time. We had a picnic planned for our youth. A lot of me did not want to go to this picnic. Nobody would have expected me at this picnic. But there was this quiet and persistent voice that told me it'd be good for me to go. So I went and y'all, it was glorious. I needed to play soccer. I needed to be in a water fight. I needed to eat a hamburger. I needed to be with my people I needed their hugs, I needed their smiles, I needed their prayers, I needed the faith, courage, and joy that they had that I couldn't yet muster. I just needed to be with them so it could spill out of them into me. And that's what happened. It was the most healing thing I could have done that day. God was present through his people that day. Because God promises to be present with his people, through his people. So listen to me. You need community. Not just in grief. You need community every day of your life. You cannot do life. You cannot do grief alone. You need the family of God. That's why we do this. That's why we meet every week. Because God does something here when we meet. Because he promises to. Sometimes we know it and we see it like I can look back to this picnic and identify for you. Here's how it was a blessing to me. But often I leave and I don't know what it was. But I take God at his word. He's doing Something. You and I need the family of God. So fight against the tendency to withdraw. It's death for your soul. Be humble enough to be present. And y'all, I know, as I said before, this is hard in grief. But be humble enough to be present, to be needy, and even to ask for help. Did y'all hear that? Because I know a lot of you are like me. You struggle to ask for help. And by the way, all of this requires that the people in that community are willing to help. So ask yourself that question, too. Are you willing to help? Are you one of those? Is your radar up for those who are hurting? Will you move toward and love those who are suffering? Final thought. Our greatest hope in grief is Jesus. I suppose this could be a help number four, like but it's 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 the help. Our greatest hope in grief is Jesus. Isaiah 53, looking ahead to the coming Savior, says this about Jesus. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows. We sang this first song, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Jesus was not only acquainted with sorrows and grief, he also bears them for us. On top of all that, he has borne our greatest burden by bearing our sin on the cross, which is what Isaiah 53 is all about, is the Savior who would come and suffer and give his life for sinners like us. Do you want your sin taken away? Do you want that burden of your sin, your shame, your guilt lifted? Do you want your sorrows carried? Come to Jesus. Put your trust in Him. This is why He came. was to give it to people like us. Needy people like us. And in a day soon to come, Jesus will crush death to death. And grief and suffering will be no more. The the beautiful thing about all of this is grief doesn't get the last word. Y'all know that, right? Grief, suffering, death, whatever it is you're grieving does not get the last word. God does. And here's what he says is coming. God will wipe away every tear from our eyes and death will be no more. Neither will there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Y'all hear that? Grief is a temporary reality. It's just temporary. And God, who is seated on the throne, says, Behold, I am making all things new. God is making all things new. And one day he'll make everything that's wrong right. Right. He'll make everything that's sad come untrue because he really is making everything new. Jesus, ultimately, is why we can grieve with hope. So again, I want to ask you, is your trust in him? Father, thank you for the beauty and the glory and the comfort of your word. Regardless of whether we come in here grieving or sorrowing or maybe joyful and, and rejoicing. Lord, whichever the case, we need you. We need you to make us new. We need you to take away the the burden of our sin, our shame, our guilt. We need you to fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Lord, I pray that our eyes would stay fixed on Him through whatever this life brings. And as we prayed at the beginning, Lord, would we be a people who stand firm in whatever suffering, whatever loss comes. Because our hope, our trust is in Jesus, our rock and our refuge, our fortress and our salvation. And we pray in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen.